2: Ministering the Blessings of Covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Lovesavers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Today's guest authors are Mark and Jill Savage. They wrote the book No More Perfect Marriages. They say that no marriage is perfect, but every marriage can get better. In No More Perfect Marriages, Mark and Jill speak honestly about their struggles, how they came back from betrayal, and the principles keeping their marriage strong today. Sandy talks with Mark and Jill Savage about their new book, No More Perfect Marriages. Let's listen.
3: Hello, Mark and Jill. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. Why did you write this wonderful book, <laughs> No More Perfect Marriages? <laughs> Experience well, we the freedom wrote freedom of being real together Go ahead uh,
4: Well, we wrote it because, quite frankly, our marriage was a mess And uh, we really had to um, put the pieces back together And we learned a lot in that process And just really wanted to be able to encourage other couples Hopefully maybe saving them some of the pain that we went through
3: Amen. How did you and Jill meet, Mark? We met at a
0: blind date. Uh, We had two friends uh, that were friends to both of us and had been begging us incessantly that we should meet each other. And finally, both of us said, We'll meet, and we never want to hear of it again. (laughs) And we met, and I was like, wow. (laughs) She's awesome.
3: (laughs) Amen. You've both been heavily involved in ministry during a good portion of your marriage, like 20 years, right? How has that, along with raising five kids, impacted your marriage? I think definitely, um, you know, ministry takes a lot out of you. Oh,
4: yeah. And if you're not careful, you begin to uh, prioritize all of the needs around you uh, and, and kind of putting your marriage on the back burner. So I think we, we were always conscious of that and trying to be careful not to do that, but certainly at times we did. And then I would say as parents, I know for me, uh, my struggle was, that I often put my children before my marriage. You know, I did um, children first, wife second. And it it really needs to be the other way around. Wife first, mother second. And uh, it took me a long time to learn that, but I think that was an important lesson along the way.
3: Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of us. It's that nurturing thing within us, isn't it? So you almost it have is. to make a conscious choice and intentional decision to do otherwise, right? Yes. Once you're... Yeah, I agree. And, you know,
4: I think the other thing is, you know, particularly as women, we look at our husbands yes. and we go... Hey, you can make your own meals. You can dress yourself. I look at these little people, and they—you know—they need me to feed them. They need, need me to dress them. So, uh, let me take care of them, and you're on your own. Right. And uh, that becomes dangerous.
3: Right. Right. Mark, you write that you lost your way six years ago. What yes. happened? Well,
0: uh, I, I would say I had struggled greatly most of well, all of my adult life uh, with my past and I just could not be free of me. I I had pastored for 20 plus years, but during that time I just was growing more deeply in despair and disillusionment with God. I was disillusioned with his ways, his church, ultimately my marriage and me. And uh, after I retired from pastoring, Soon afterwards, I found myself in a full-blown midlife crisis affair included. I abandoned Jill and the kids, my kids, and pursued this new relationship because it would be better. But this relationship couldn't and wouldn't be better because I took me with me. <laughs> so I, but I found myself desperate. Uh, in that desperation, Holy Spirit stepped into my mess and invited me to surrender to Him. And I was so desperate, I just reaccepted that 100%. And honestly, for the first time, I feel like I repented and surrendered myself fully to Father God. Uh, and since then, He has rebuilt my marriage and relationships with Jill and the kids and is reconstructed our lives.
3: He is a god of of rebuilding, isn't he? And
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Jill, when Mark left your marriage, how did you cope? A lot of tears. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Um,
4: you know, I mean it was I was obviously very heartbroken. Um had a few friends not come and literally stayed with me and put food in front of me, I don't know that I would have eaten for the first few days. I mean, I was absolutely, uh, at the end of myself. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I, I just knew I had to draw near to the Lord. I remember, uh, I would go to bed at night and nights were the hardest for me because they were so lonely. And I started bringing my Bible to bed with me. And it would be the, uh, the last thing that I would read. And then I would lay my Bible in my husband's pillow, his empty pillow. And then, um, I would wake up in the morning and it would be, the Bible would be the first thing I would see. And so I would grab it. And even if I only read one or two verses, it would be just enough to get me out of bed and moving the next morning. And so I just, um, I drew near to the Lord in the best way I knew possible, um, but that was through a lot of grief as well. And I really felt like God gave me the marching orders to love my husband. So that's really what I tried to do each and every day, even after he left. Um, wasn't easy, I didn't do it perfectly, but uh, that, at, at least that's what I felt like I was to do.
3: Uh-huh. Mm. How has God restored your marriage? Since you were so obedient to him well definitely um I mean uh
4: when Mark surrendered, it just so happened it was on Easter. Uh, what an yeah. appropriate day to surrender <laughs> yeah um and um it it took us several uh several months before uh we made the decision that uh you know he was going to move back home. Uh, we were in counseling, and it took us 18 months of weekly marriage counseling to put the pieces back together. Um, but I would say that one of the things that made such a huge difference for us is um, that we learned that uh, when we became better individually, our marriage became better. So we both began to work on ourselves, uh, dealing with the you know different things that we needed to do, uh, we needed to pay attention to, and not bring back into um, into our savage
3: marriage
0: 2.0. Yeah, um, you know,
3: you say no marriage crumbles in a day. What? Right. How would you explain in that term you use, slow fade journey?
0: Uh, I think the, journey. the slow fade that is a normal, uh, action that marriages will go through if they're not attended to. And so it just begins, uh, maybe two centimeters at a time, but eventually, You can be uh, yards or miles apart. And so we've identified, actually, as we began to uh, unpack our brokenness and then rebuild, we identified seven slow fades that we think are are common for marriages. And that also we identified the tools because we want to help couples know how to stop the fade.
3: Right, the God tools, you call them, right? Yes. What what are some of the slow fades?
2: Well,
4: uh, the slow fades are um, the slow fade of unrealistic expectation,
2: Uh
4: the slow fade of minimizing, the slow fade of not accepting, the slow fade of disagreement, the slow fade of defensiveness, the slow fade of naivety, and then finally, the slow fate of avoiding emotion. Would you and, uh, yeah. explain that minimizing? Absolutely. It's actually one of our favorites to talk about because uh-huh. I think so many couples do this and we don't realize it. We certainly didn't realize we were doing it. But there are two types of minimizers. There are internal minimizers and external minimizers. And internal minimizers... Tend to minimize their own thoughts and feelings. External minimizers tend to minimize the thoughts and feelings of others. And in our marriage, Mark tends to, to tend to be, tended more, but still tends to be the internal minimizer.
0: Yeah.
4: And he will minimize his own thoughts and feelings and tell, he'll, he'll tell himself, Oh, it's not important. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let it go. And so he doesn't speak up. And then if he does speak up, I can be an external minimizer and I tend to be a little bit more of a buck up person, even in my own personal life. So I expect others to be the same way. And so if he, if he shares a thought, a feeling, an emotion, I can, without realizing it, I can minimize that and tell him that's not important. Either with my tone, or my words, or my body language. And when that happens, it closes our hearts off to each other, and we cause distance in our marriage one centimeter at a time. And if that goes on, after years and years and years, you get to the place where there feels like there's some pretty big distance that we now need to uh, close, or we feel like it's hopeless. And and, and we're just too different and we're too far apart and there's nothing we can do. And our heart with No More Perfect Marriages is to encourage couples to know you may feel that way, but it's not impossible to close that distance that has developed.
3: Yes. You both seem to do all the right things, like date nights and getaways and love languages, and yet you ended up in a place that nobody wants to be. Looking back, what were some of the key things that led to your separation?
0: Uh, I think the key, uh, primarily, were these uh, slow fates, that we didn't realize that those were active at at drawing us apart, at leading us astray. And so on the surface, we were uh, doing the right things, but yet what we were able to identify is that our heart was being manipulated by these slow fates.
3: Amen.
4: It was causing discontentment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that discontentment... When it wasn't attended to, when it, it wasn't, um, touched, when it wasn't even noticed in its uh, early stages, uh, that began to cause that distance, that drifting that happens away from each other. And, um, and so ultimately when we wrote No More Perfect Marriages, uh, you know, yes, it is a story about, uh, us going through a terrible crisis and our marriage being restored. But more than anything, we, we said to ourselves, what if we could help couples see the early symptoms yes. of faves?
0: Mm-hmm. And,
4: and what if they could identify them before their marriage was in crisis? Or if their marriage was already in crisis, they could identify what fades were affecting them the most and learn how to turn them around. And so that's really what our heart is with the book.
3: Yes. Jill, you first wrote about the perfection infection five years ago in a book you wrote for moms. How does the perfection infection rear its head in marriage? Well, uh, the perfection
4: infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others, and when we unfairly compare ourselves and others to others. And oftentimes what happens with a perfection infection is we're comparing our very real marriage to the external uh parts of marriages around us. So it might be the people we see at church, it might be our neighbors, it might be the movies we watch, it might be the novels we read. And what begins to happen is we compare our very real life, our very real marriage to something that actually isn't real. Uh, we're making assumptions about those other couples. Uh, you know, I would, you know, so, so many couples, uh, in that are celebrity couples, you know, will, uh, separate and then people will go, what happened? They were just, you know, at some event and they look like they were so happy. Well, we're comparing the insides of our relationship to the outsides of their relationship. And the truth is, it's an unfair comparison. And so that's part of the reason we wanted to share so honestly in No More Perfect Marriages so that, you know, I mean, we do tend to compare. But if we're going to compare, let's compare insides to inside, and I think we'll find we're not so different uh,
3: after all. Right. You talk about love the real, not the dream, that sort of goes mm-hmm. along with that, too, right? Not that it we really, ought to dream mm-hmm. together, but the real versus the dream has... And yeah. that one
4: really comes across with um, the slow fate of unrealistic expectations. That's one that Mark has really struggled with.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, I have. I uh, I tend to be an idealist and can get caught up into in the... The message of the world and the message of movies. And in that, idealism, in that idealism, I began to, uh, to overthink the belief that marriage should be different. And that, that really fueled me in a big way. And so I had to take hold of that, uh, that image and with the God tool that God gives us of acceptance. To accept what's real, to accept reality, to accept rather than to fantasize about what isn't.
3: Right, that's so important. What are some practical ways we can begin to renovate our marriage? Well, I think the first step is uh, is to recognize the slow
4: fades that are, you know, affecting our perspective, that are causing discontentment. And uh, once we begin to identify them, then we can say, all right, what God tools do I need to pick up to uh, begin to change this inside my head and my heart? And um, when I become a better me, then our marriage becomes a better we. And so yeah. it really starts with us and, and ourselves. And so I think that, you know, identifying those low fades, but then also identifying those God tools. Um, and, you know, some of those God tools, um, Mark already mentioned, one of them is acceptance. Uh, yeah. Are you really accepting your spouse for who they are, or are you trying to change them? Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's a huge one. Courage. Uh, courage has been a, a big one, uh, God tool that Mark has had to use as he has had to stop minimizing. Um, yeah, you know, because he's like, I I don't want to say anything. I don't want to cause any issues, so I'm not going to speak up. Well, he has to find the courage to do that. For me, humility is one of my God tools Uh um, because my pride can get in there and I can think, my way is the better way. My way is the right way. Right. And so I have to pick up the God tool of humility and say, no. Mark's way may, it may be different than mine, but just uh-huh. different doesn't
3: make it wrong. Right. It's just different. Right. Right. And um, right. compassion, right? Empathy, yes. putting yourself in the other person's place to really feel as they do, right? And wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wisdom,
0: you... forgiveness, and yeah. grace, yes. those are uh, all God tools. And then love. Yes. uh, I think that we forget that God loved first, and he loves first, and we have to seek out that love from him, but the world manipulates us to think that love behaves a particular way, which is not God's way.
3: Yes, how would you define love? Well,
4: I'll tell you, I learned... A lot about love during our crisis, um, after I discovered the affair and after Mark eventually left, and I just, I mean, I was on my face just begging God, what do you want me to do? I i don't know what to do. And um, I really felt like God began to whisper to my heart, I want you to love him. And I can remember the very first time I sensed that, um... I wanted to respond to God, um, excuse me, but I don't know if you've noticed he's not real lovable right now, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I felt like God responded back to my heart, um, Jill, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes you're not either, and I thought, all right, Lord, that's fair. You love me when I'm unlovable. Will you show me how to do that? And eventually God took me to Romans 12, uh, 9 through 21, and um I call this my, uh, the unhumanable chapter I in love my Bible. I that term, yes. I know, and uh, it's, uh, it's just the funniest thing, because one time Mark asked me after he returned home, he said, how did you continue to treat me so kindly when I treated you so poorly. And I, and I said to him, it, it was unhumanable, yes, And we both right. laughed because right. we were like, what does that even mean? Well, yeah. it's when God shows us how to do things His way, and it's not the way we want to do it. It's not the way we feel like doing it. But we trust that He's going to uh, give us the capacity and show us how. And so love is... Um, you know it is part boundaries uh, there were certainly boundaries uh, that were put in our uh, in our healing process, uh-huh. but it is also um, it is unconditional it is a choice,
3: uh-huh. not always a feeling mm-hmm. and I love the way you described it in the book as blend of affection, devotion, and loyalty. I thought yeah. that was yes. so such a wonderful explanation. What does it mean to expect the right things?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, you know, um, oftentimes
4: I mean one of the things we obviously talk about with the slow fade of unrealistic expectations is uh, you know, put put your expectations at bay. Stop expecting things uh, that are just going to disappoint you, but there are some unhealthy, I mean, there are some healthy expectations. For instance, you need to expect conflict. Yeah, It will happen because you're two different human beings trying to make a life together. Um, Expect disappointments. Your spouse will make mistakes. They'll let you down. Uh, Expect to be annoyed. How's that for some honesty? Because when you live in close proximity to somebody else like you do in marriage, there will be things they do that will annoy you. Uh That Mm. happens. So those are the kind of things that we need to expect. Another one is expect to need continuing education. You're not just going to say, I do. And then, and then know how to be married. In right. fact, you're going to have to keep growing in right, marriage. You're right. going to have to keep growing as a person. So those are the right kinds of expectations. Yeah.
3: Yes. You identify more than 20 hedges that people should build around their marriage as protection. Yes. Yeah. What are some hedges that we should consider building around our marriage? Uh,
0: one hedge. And the value of hedges is that sense of protection, and so often, out of naivety, we think they're not important, but they are important to protect us, and one hedge is to uh, watch and manage your thought life. That, for me, I kept a running list of the things that frustrated me about Jill, And I just, I had to throw that away because I wasn't watching my thought life. I was corrupting my thought life. And so I had just to watch and manage your thought life.
4: Another one is to stay clear of unnecessarily spending time with somebody of the opposite sex. So let's say you decide, hey, I'm going to get a personal trainer at the gym. Well, if you're a female, get a female personal trainer. If you're a male, get a male personal trainer. Uh, just don't put yourself in a place of temptation uh, where you are alone with someone or spending a, an inordinate amount of time with someone of the opposite sex. Right. So those are the kind of advanced decisions that we can make
1: and play, that
3: help yes. protect our marriage. Yes. Yeah. What encouragement can you want for a couple today who believes that their marriage is at the end with no hope for redemption?
4: Well, I would say that um, we understand what that feels like. Yes, and absolutely. while we may not have hope, uh, we'd ask that you would allow us to lend you some of ours. Uh, we would, um, mm-hmm. we believe that's part of the reason we wanted to share our story and we wanted to share some of the things that we had learned. Um, but ultimately, our encouragement would be that with God, all things are possible. Yes. Uh, God can put yeah. together the broken pieces of the most hurting marriage. And make he them He can redeem.
3: Them. Right. Yep.
4: Ah. He absolutely can. And we have certainly experienced that
3: That's so true uh, Your website, would you quickly, we only have a minute or so left, give us where our listeners could get your book and other resources, please? Yeah, the best place to go is jillsavage.org. Okay, and we want to thank you so much for sharing with us and for writing that wonderful book. And we'll just say for now, goodbye and God bless.
0: No, thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you okay? Bye. Bye now. Bye bye. Sometimes when I'm
1: lonely and it feels like I'm the only one around and no one cares, you.
2: Pray for marriages in crisis. If you want prayer for your marriage, send your prayer request to lovesavers1 at AOL.com That's lovesavers1 at AOL.com And remember, love never fails.
1: climb but You